Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Katherine Miller. Divorce Dialogues brings expert guests to the airways to talk through your divorce questions and fill in the gray areas about separating. From thinking about divorce, to how to behave during divorce, to what to do after, this is Divorce Dialogues. Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Catherine Miller. I'm the founder at the Miller Law Group and a trainer at the Center for Understanding and Conflict. And I am on a mission to change how people divorce and help them divorce with dignity. And along those lines, I'm really excited that my guest today is Judith Weigel. She is a mediator in California and has been in private practice family law for over 10 years. And her company, Divorce Resources, provides both mediation and filing services for divorces, legal separations, paternity cases, and post-judgment revisions of settlements agreements as legal document assistant, I think also called a paralegal on steroids. And we're going to talk a little bit about what that is. And her mediation experiences include divorce and family mediation, community and personal mediation, with the Dispute Resolution Program at the Office of the Los Angeles City Attorney. Welcome, Judith Weigel. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you, Catherine. It's a pleasure to be here. I do need to make one little clarification. The name of the company is Divorce Resource Incorporated. There's actually another company called Divorce Resources, so I just want to oh. clarify that. Divorce oh, well, Incorporated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Perfect. That's okay. A little, it's, it's a little later in the show. People are going to, I'm going to give you the opportunity to, you know, tell people exactly where they can find Divorce Resource Incorporated and you there. So I appreciate the clarification. So, you know, I know that you also have a podcast and that your experience and your dedication really is to find amicable divorce resolutions for people. And, and you call this a heart healthy divorce. So, Judy Wago, can you tell us a little bit about what a heart-healthy divorce is and what the recipe for it could be? Yes, I created this concept after 10 years of working in the divorce business, and I looked at those people who would come through here for me to either file for them or mediate or both. I started noticing some similar trends and aspects of those people who were able to talk, communicate well, maybe over some difficult things, but they were at least able to communicate. And I looked at those people who seemed to go through the process with less stress versus more stress. So I said, you know what? I think I can help people really focus on the important parts of getting divorced and let go of other things so they can have a life while they're getting divorced. There are four ingredients, so to speak, to the heart-healthy divorce. The very first ingredient, which is absolutely essential before anything else, was taught to me by one of my clients nine years ago. And that is settle the emotional divorce before you file for the legal divorce, meaning go through the grieving stages, Do the forgiveness, do the apology, do the anger, the denial, everything you have to go through that ends the marriage and transitions out of it so that when you go to make legal decisions, you have a clear head and you don't make emotional 
legal decisions that may haunt you that you shouldn't have made, but you just couldn't do anything else. You were just too emotional and you did what you could, you did what you could do to get over that or to get through the divorce. So that's a number one. Deal with the emotional divorce before you go through the legal divorce. Number two, essential. Learn how to compartmentalize time. Don't let the divorce override your entire day. And this is something I came to because you and I and any professional that has an office, we do our divorce business from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. That's when we go to work. So we send emails out, we do texts, we do phone calls, and then we have our appointments. But the people that we deal with have jobs. And they have to go to work. And I realized this one day when I was talking to a client who was just explaining to me how stressed she was and she was at work while she was talking to me. And I said, you know what? I'm one of the causes of your stress. Let's start reorganizing time. Let's compartmentalize when you're going to do the divorce work, when you're going to go to work, and when you're going to be with your family. And I started helping people understand that you're in charge of your day. And so if you just tell the divorce professionals in your lives when you're going to respond to their emails, their texts, their phone calls, do your paperwork, everybody will be fine and very respectful of your time. Third ingredient, learn communication skills for conflict. Even if your divorce is amicable, there are going to be certain times where you're going to be on the defensive, where you're going to be in fear mode, and you need to know how to talk and communicate. But most importantly, if it's not amicable, if it's a little bit more litigious, arguing all the time, you have to learn how to speak in those situations to your spouse. And there's a gentleman that I think you and I talked about on when, when I interviewed you, Bill Eddy. He yeah. developed the, yeah, it works for me in all aspects of my life, but it absolutely works in divorce to minimize the conflict communication and turn conflict around. It really, really, really works. And I have examples when I teach the course to show people how to use it in a role play situation. And lastly, develop a self-care program that includes laughter. You're allowed to laugh even when you're getting divorced. So I went to goat yoga just to see what it was like to go to yoga with another component to it. I had more fun than I could tell you. And they also have puppy yoga in Los Angeles. (laughs) Puppies and goats run all around you. I had people take pictures of me. So that you're exercising, you're getting fresh air, you're, you're, you're doing something good for your mind, body, but you're laughing at the same time. So that's recipe for a heart healthy divorce. And Catherine, I'm starting to give this program to human resource professionals because what's happening is that if people can't compartmentalize time, if people can't go through the emotions in order to set themselves up for legal decisions, they're going to work and they're not productive. And so their companies are losing money on them. People don't know what's going on in your personal life unless you talk about it. And you and I both know that if there are pensions involved, and health insurance involved. You have to let your human resources department know when a filing for divorce has taken place. Most people aren't ready to do that. 
And somehow I'm trying to connect human resources with people going through divorce and making it more of an open door policy so that I can come in and work with people going through divorce at any point in time, teach them the recipe so that they can be productive, still work, raise a family, and get through this thing called divorce in the best way possible. Well, that sounds really great and really interesting. But let me ask you some questions about it because I can imagine that listeners out there are wondering about the first piece about the emotional divorce before you get into the legal or financial decisions. Because I think that for some people, it can feel like they're never going to get through that, you know, either because they themselves are overwhelmed and overcome and in the sadness, the emotionality of it, and especially if it's not their own choice. And I can also imagine listeners thinking, well, my spouse is never going to get out of it. I'm going to have to wait for him or her to stop being so emotional and stop being so angry at me. That's never going to happen. I just don't think I can do that. And what do you say to those people who feel like it's going to take so long? that you raised. First of all, you need a therapist or a divorce coach to work through the emotions with you. It's really not something you can do alone. So we've all heard of the woman, well, most of us have, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. She wrote the book on death and dying, and she Mm -hmm. presented the five stages of grief when somebody dies. There are two more stages of grief when you're getting divorced because supposedly your spouse is still going to be living. So you have fear slash guilt, and you have apology slash forgiveness. These two stages of grief are essential to move you over the finish line. And if you have a therapist and or a divorce coach, that will really help you process faster than slower. So for the spouse then that says, okay, great, Judy, how long am I going to have to wait for my spouse to get over this? Well, you talk about it. You have a little conversation about it. You talk about, I just need a little time. Okay, well, how much time do you need? Do you need a month? Do you need two weeks? Okay, people always lowball this. I'm thinking maybe three months. Let me get some good grief work done in the next three months so that I have a clear head because we both need to be conscientious about the decisions that we're making. Now, I'm going to flip this around to the other side. So what if you're married to somebody who, and I hate to label, and I I, I don't mean to be judgmental when I say this, but let's just say you have somebody that has some personality disorder challenges, and it looks like it'll never, ever, ever end. I understand that. You understand that. You've dealt with that before. You're doing your work for you. When you're ready to step back in the game, then you can deal with that person with conflict communication. But, you know, water seeks its own level. So what if your personality disordered spouse hires an attorney of the same ilk and they want to paper you to death? They want frivolous filings. They want to kill you. Well, I have talked to some other attorneys who have tried to call opposing counsel and say, look, my client just needs a couple months. We're going to be back in the game. Can you just stop for a little bit, let him or her collect him or herself so that we can have a fully functioning human being? And so this is when now the attorneys 
have to start reevaluating why are they in family law. Don't you think, Catherine? Are you there to destroy the other person, and why would you want to do that? Why would no, that make a lot that? of sense? I totally agree with you. I'm not sure that every single person who practices in this area would agree with that, but I do agree that the job that we have taken on is to help families make a transition in as orderly a way as possible so that they and their children can move on with their lives and that if we're going to take a scorched earth approach, then we really are doing a lot more harm than good. And why is that, Catherine? Can we talk about that a second? Why would some attorneys want to do that? Well, before we talk about it, let me remind people that they're listening to Divorce Dialogues, and I'm Catherine Miller. We're here on WVX 1460 AM in Westchester County every other Wednesday from 5 to 5.30, and we're also available as podcasts wherever you listen to podcasts. And I'm talking today with Judy Weigel about a heart-healthy divorce. And we're about to answer the question, why do lawyers sometimes want to take an overly aggressive stance or a stance so aggressive that it seems harmful to the family? Is that a fair framing of the question, Judy? Absolutely. Yes. So, I mean, I guess that's a good question. I think that most lawyers are doing what they think is the right thing to do. And despite our poor reputation in the world, going back many, many years, centuries perhaps, that people are, lawyers are actually trying to protect their clients and, and they're thinking, well, if we don't go through these steps now, then there's risk for my client and maybe risk for myself in that the client may come back later and say, well, why didn't you take these aggressive stances in order to protect me? I think that it's a false paradigm. I mean, I, I don't think that it's true. I think that there are risks to being overly aggressive as there are risks to being underprotective, right? And, and right. that the that the situation and what the risk is is really a lot more complex and a lot more nuanced than that approach takes. You know, I... I say that people, lawyers who practice in that way have a low center of gravity. <laughs> That's what I say, because they just keep do, doing what they're going to do regardless of what happens, and it's pretty hard to knock them off that track. What do you think is the reason, Judy Weigel? No, I understand what you're saying. I really, really do about, well, what if their client turns to them later and says, you weren't aggressive enough? So, so I really do get that. I think it has to happen at the very beginning of the relationship when client and attorney are interviewing one another. And you have to establish at that point, at least the attorney does, these are my boundaries. This is how I practice law. I don't want to hurt your spouse. I simply want to represent you properly. I don't know you. I mean, there's a lot everybody has to learn about one another when they go into such an intimate relationship, a legal issue, you know, a legal representation over something like marriage and family. So I get that. I just have seen too many attorneys go for the money because when people are emotional, they'll spend whatever they have to spend. And isn't it interesting when the money runs out, all of a sudden people can talk, spouses can talk, no more money left. So what was all that about? That's why I say, if you can go through the emotions first, let's just say somebody filed out of fear. You don't even have the opportunity to talk to the spouse. They didn't, spouse didn't say, I'd like to get divorced. Uh, Just go ahead. They, They went ahead, filed. I didn't know what else to do. I just thought this was the right thing to do. And then we could talk and work things out. You can always pause. 
you don't have to keep moving forward. You can pause at any time if both people want to pause, if both people see an advantage to pausing. I mean, this is so complicated, isn't it? It's just so layered emotionally. I'm just trying to do the best I can with these four steps for the people that are the average human being. I'm hurt. I don't know what to do. And let's just proceed. No. No, I think they just make a... But I think they make a lot of sense. I'm just wondering, you know, I think sometimes people would think like, yeah, that sounds great, Judy, <laughs> but I don't know how I can do it because X, Y, Z. And I think that there are some steps and some thoughts that people can have. I mean, one thing about dealing with your attorney that I like to remind people is that the attorney works for the client. And regardless of what your attorney says to you, you can say, you know what, I don't want to do that. And so the idea that you have to do what your attorney says, they may or may not have your best interest. They may or may not know what is in your best interest and to think about what really will work for you and your situation makes a heck of a lot of sense to me. No, that absolutely, you bring up up excellent points. I learned settling the emotional divorce before settling the legal divorce from a client. And so it was nine years ago. I was signing off on a judgment package and these were the loveliest people ever. And so I just, I looked at them and I just said, how is it that you were so nice to one another, so kind, so respectful? And they both said, oh, it took time. We weren't like this when we decided to get divorced. We were the horrible people you see on TV and in the movies. And then we turned to each other and said, but this isn't who we are. Who cares why we're getting divorced? Let's turn this around. Let's get divorced in a different way. And they both went to therapy. And when they both felt they were able to deal with legal decisions, they came back together and they became the people I knew. So it can happen. Yeah, I think that's right. So let's talk a little bit about compartmentalizing time because I think it goes very well with the emotional separation, the emotional legal separation. Because when you're feeling really overwhelmed with, especially with what some of us might call the afflictive emotions, right? Fear, anxiety, sadness. It can be pretty hard to say for some people, you know, I'm not going to worry about that now. But I think what you're saying is is structure your day so you're not negotiating your divorce all day long at any moment and so that it doesn't take over your productive day. Is that right? Exactly right. We're not great at compartmentalizing time on a good day. So, Think about before COVID. We brought our personal lives to the office and we brought the office back home, right? Now COVID strikes. Everybody's working from home. The scene of the crumbling marriage. Everything is together. You can't even send your kids to school. So you can get a break. Everything is jumbled together. Now that we're coming out of COVID, we get to restructure our day. And I I use a key phrase when I'm talking to human resources people, and I say, use work. Let's teach your employees to use work as a respite from divorce. Let's use work as the time that we are obligated to focus on work. But we can only do that confidently if we have already decided when we're going to return the divorce emails and texts and phone calls, and do the divorce paperwork. 
So I say you have to work with somebody on how to structure your day and your week so that you can accomplish everything gracefully in your life and just say, oh, my God, I'm so happy to be at work. I'm so happy that I can. And your employer does not want you returning texts and emails and phone calls on the job. They want you to work. That is so, for sure. Let's do that. Let's help you do that. And the only way you can do that is to know that here's when I have scheduled to do the divorce stuff. And when you've scheduled to do it, you can actually focus on it. You're not shooting off emails in which you have to apologize later. Oh, my God, I didn't really mean that. I wasn't thinking. I was at work. No, you're thinking. You can take a breath. Let's talk about returning those horrible texts to your spouse. If you have a spouse that badgers you, this kind of goes from compartmentalizing time into conflict communication. You know, people are not obligated to return texts within three seconds. In fact, the power play is waiting. The power play, if you really want to get control back in your life, don't return those angry texts and emails immediately. If you can wait 24 hours, wait. Because then the last horrible words hanging in the balance are not yours. They're your spouse's. Give your spouse a minute to listen to what they said to you already. And then come back with the Bill Eddie Biff, brief, informative, friendly, and firm. I understand what you're saying. I do not agree. This is my position. How do you feel about that? You know, something simple like that. Rah, 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 Wait a day. I, I agree with you. I hear what you're saying. I don't agree with you. Let's choose another way. You can't give people wiggle room to get inside of you. Stand on your statement. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. I'm going to remind people that they're listening to Divorce Dialogues, and I'm Catherine Miller, and we're here on WVOX every other Wednesday bringing you the information and thoughtful dialogue that you need to divorce with dignity. And I'm talking today with Judith Weigel, and if people are interested in learning more about your services or Heart Healthy Divorce or Divorce Resources Incorporated, how can they do that? <laughs> or the paralegal on steroids, right? Yes, we're going to have to talk about that after, but yeah, let's find out more okay. about that too. Well, my website, which is the easiest, divorceresourceinc.com, divorceresourceinc.com, or Judy, J-U-D-Y, at divorceresourceinc.com. So, since you bring it up, what is a paralegal on steroids? Catherine, it's my way of trying to educate people the difference between what a mediator does and what a legal document preparation company does. So I provide two services. I provide filing as a non-attorney. So in, in California, not every state has this, but in California, if you are a paralegal first, which I was, you then get an additional license to be a legal document preparation company. So I'm that midway point between hiring an attorney to file for you or doing it yourself. I'm that midway point. I'm much less money. I can file for you at a reduced rate. And you can have an attorney, a consulting attorney on the side. 
that will always let you know where you sit with the law. The only way I could explain that to people was a paralegal on steroids. Because in California, you can't sell yourself as a paralegal to the general public. You can only sell yourself as a paralegal to another attorney. And who the heck wants to say legal document preparation company? I mean, nobody can say that. Nobody wants to say that. So now what they're doing is, well, not now. It's been this way for 10 years. I'm being represented by a mediator. A mediator is filing for me. Neither of these statements are true. A mediator cannot represent anybody. A mediator is neutral. A mediator engages parties in conversation, in negotiation, to reach a compromise point that works for both parties. A mediator has one of the hardest jobs known to mankind, as far as I'm concerned, because these are strangers sitting in front of you initially. And you have to figure out, you know, what they're saying, what they mean. You have to listen through what they say they're absolutely not going to do. This is the only thing I'm going to do, you know, laying down the gauntlets. You have to listen through all of that and where they least expect that there can be a compromise that satisfies both people. So I try and explain a mediator works with you to come to settlement decisions that then can be turned over to their attorney to put in a settlement agreement. Or if you're also hiring me to file for you, I will then turn your mediation deal points into the overall stipulated judgment, which becomes part and parcel of the divorce decree. So, Judy, in our last few seconds, if people are thinking about getting divorced, where do you think they should start and what should they think about first? I think they should educate themselves by going to an attorney first and learning the law in their state. Because a lot of people live under misconceptions and then they start using misconceptions as their deal breakers or threatening to do things that aren't even possible in the state that they live in. Absolutely get legal education and then find out what the options are in how to file and go from there. That makes a lot of sense. Judith White, Weigel, thank you so much for being my guest on Divorce Dialogue. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely.